All right, y'all. Um, listen, if you take notes, uh, take notes fast. I'll talk fast. I mean, I'm not going to rush it, but, you know, we'll just not waste your time. But this is, this is the first message in a brand new series called Throwback. Um, how many of you are familiar with Throwback Thursday? Anybody? Hashtag TBT. Um, so we're, we're going to do a series called Throwback, and what we're talking about is reopening the ancient wells. That just put everybody to sleep under the age of 25, right? There's like, so we're talking about going back to what got it all started, okay? Um, throwback, throwbacks, um, I figure we could play a little throwback game. Are we, are we ready to do this? I'm going to put a picture on the screen, um, and it's going to be a celebrity throwback. And let's just see. It'll be fun to see if anybody can guess who these people are. There are five of them. Just spoiler alert, I'm going to get all five right. So can we throw the first one up there? Do we have that? Let's just say it out loud. Anybody know who that is? Wrong. That was a great, that was a great wrong guess. Who? I don't even know who that is. Well, we just divide the entire room by generations. This, this is Carrie Underwood. This is Carrie Underwood. Yes. I thought about, by the way, I thought about throwing a picture of me up there too, right? I, I have some college pictures, y'all, and maybe in the weeks to come, we'll just do this, you know, sporadically, we'll throw up people, but these are all famous people. Let's go to the next one. I think you'll get the next one. Anybody know? Yep, that's it. Jennifer Garner. Good job. You just won a prize of nothing. Um, this next one, I think someone will get this one as well. They're, it is Jimmy Fallon. Good job. Way to go. Coming through for this section over here. Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, can we go to the next one? Yeah, who said Reese Witherspoon? You were wrong before, and you jumped out in faith, and you're right. Good job. Way to go. Fantastic. And then we have one last one. I think the K's could give it away. It's Kim. Yeah, Kim and Courtney Kardashian. And don't you know they're killing somebody for that picture, right? No, they, they post it. I'm throwback, throwback. Listen, the, the point here is not to live in the past, but the point is, so we don't want to go back to the past. We want to go back to the source of the past. Does that make sense? We want to learn from what God did in the past. We want to get back to, there's a, a scripture in Hosea, I think it's chapter two, where he says, Lord, we've heard of your ways, but now renew them in our time, right? So we've heard of the things you did before, and those are great stories, God, but would you please do that again today? I want you, if you've got your Bibles, to turn to Genesis chapter 26. We're going to be here for most of the time, um, but I'm going to give you a couple other verses as well as we kind of walk through the context. So most of what we'll be doing is reading Genesis 26 verses 12 through 22. But before we get there, I just need to give you some context, okay? So just a quick teaching moment. Verse 1 says this, now there was a famine in the land. So I just need you to know context. Y'all know what that means, right? It means what's going on in the thing that we're going to read. So it's important to know why what we're going to read was written, why it was spoken, why this event happened. And you just need to know that everything we talk about today in Genesis 26 happened during a famine. Everybody say famine. Is anybody else hungry? Yeah, so it was way worse than that, but there was a famine in the land. Um, there was a, we're facing a famine in our land. Did anybody feel it? Our, our land is in a famine. Amos chapter 8, 
verses 11 and 12. Let me read this to you. It says this, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. We, we are in that place. There's a famine for the hearing the word of the Lord. There's also a famine of morality in our country. That's where we are living right now. People aren't even sure, like, I mean, it's crazy. We don't know what anything is anymore, right? There's a famine of morality in our land. And he continues, people will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Do you know people that are staggering right now? Do you meet those people? They're like, they don't even know, like, what's up, what's down. Like, I would, I would say our entire culture is staggering right now. And they're walking around, and they're literally looking for anybody, even if they don't agree with that person, anybody who's not staggering. This is a time for the, 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 the church to be such an example, such a witness to our culture, because we don't have to stagger looking for the Word of God. We have it. What we're going to read about in Genesis 26 happens during a famine. Now, let me give you the first half of chapter 26. Um, this is actually kind of a repeat of a story that was told in Genesis 20. So, um, any of you have kids that look just like you? Yeah. Like, I remember when people would, I was sitting one time like my dad, and people were like, because my dad used to do this thing with his hand, like his finger right here, like he would, I don't know where that started, probably with his dad, and maybe with his dad, and maybe with his dad, but I was at that age where I didn't want to be like my dad. Right, and he was sitting, and I was sitting next to him, and we were in a circle of men. And I looked over, and I had my finger like this. I put my finger down because he had his finger like that too. Like, like you ever have people say that he's a spitting image of you, or she looks just like her mom? It's amazing how what parents have gets they get gets passed on to kids. Right? It's amazing how that works. And so in Genesis chapter twenty-six, we read the story where Isaac does this really weird thing about telling this, this king that his wife is actually his sister. This sounds like it was written in his mouth, doesn't it? And if you, if you realize, six chapters earlier, his dad had done the exact same thing. His dad had told, um, the king's name is Abimelech. I think I said that right. Abimelech, he told the king Abimelech that, no, Sarah's my, 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 my sister, but she was actually his wife. And here we are six chapters later, and Abraham's son is saying to that king's son that his wife is also his sister. Like, like father, like son, right? That is weird. That's all happening. And right before the part where we're going to start reading, the king finds out that really Rebecca is your wife. And so it's a little tense, Yes. I mean, how would you feel if you were fixing to kiss somebody thinking it was somebody else's sister and then you found out that that was their wife? It'd be a little tense, right? Like, are you kidding me right now? What are you, why are you lying to me? And so that's where we're going to pick the story up in verse 12. You with me? You feel the tension? Did I do a good job? Y'all are like, just start reading. Just start reading, right? Verse 12. So Isaac planted crops in that land. And the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Is anybody else having that problem where your neighbors are like, you have so much stuff. You're so rich. Stop doing that. 
I, yeah, I didn't think so. It was just, but that's where he was, right? Just the increase was so great that his neighbors were like, stop. So the Philistines, they were his enemies, envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Now, we just typically read something like that and go, oh, like it's like at the, sand, at the, at the beach when you build a sandcastle. And there's always, like, that jerk that kicks it, right? Like, I, I remember as a, as a dad, like you work all day in the sun, you're building a sandcastle with your kids, and it's just this masterpiece, right? Because you, you get the buckets out, you fill them with water, you pat them down. I mean, with sand, you pat them down, you push them over, you hit it on top, you pull it up, you put a little stick on top and say, ta-da, right? And then you build, like, 500 moats so the water can't get that little bitty thing you built. You're so proud of it. And so you survive the whole day, and it's like it's still there. I can remember being on the, on the balcony looking out with our kids going, look, it's still there, it's still there, it's still there. And then somebody walks across and just like, right? That's kind of how we read this. But wells were a big deal in the day. Like wells signified survival. They supplied water. Plants grew because there was a well where they could get water. This was a big deal. So for the enemy to stop up the, the well filling with earth, that was a big deal. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become too powerful for us. Homeowners Association got together, right? And they said, you need to leave. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. And this is, our, this is our key verse. This is the verse for the entire series, verse 18. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Let me just give you a couple things just to get us to speed where we are right now. Number one, God had blessed Isaac in a famine. You want to stand out? Be blessed in a famine. When everybody else is like, I don't know what we're going to eat, and they look over and they're like, holy cow, that guy's got so much cattle, so much. It's amazing. Like, be blessed during a famine. God blessed him during a famine. He wasn't just wealthy. I think it's important that we notice that the Bible puts the word very there, and this is not a, a prosperity gospel message. I'm just letting you know. Like, it's in the Bible. We're reading it right now. It says in verse 13 that he wasn't just wealthy, but he was very wealthy. Verse 14, we talked about how the Philistines filled in with dirt, the wells. Can I just set you free with a little bit of um, life check reality about how un unbelievers look at believers sometimes? The blessing of God often unleashes the jealousy of man. We should not be surprised when people who don't love God seem to be mad at us for being blessed by God, right? They're not really mad at you. Their struggle is beyond you. It's with God. So don't be surprised when the blessings in your life kind of kick off this jealous rage of people around you. Where they try to stop what God's doing in your life. Cut off the source. And the Philistines stopped up the wells. And all of this resulted in a move in verse 17. Because he was considered too powerful. We should not be surprised when the power of God's anointing causes people to want to distance themselves from us. Sometimes I think we feel like this. Well, if God's really moving and he's really anointing us, 
people will be drawn to us. And I think that's, there's truth in that, right? Have you experienced that? People that don't really love God, but they want to talk to you, right? Like, I, think, I just feel like you can help me. Well, yeah, probably because I love Jesus. I don't want to talk about that, but I feel like you can help me, <laughs> right? But you feel like that because I love Jesus, right? And he's given me peace, and you have a storm, and so there's a difference. You're in a famine, and I'm blessed, and so you want to talk to me about that. And I'm not going to make you like, push my religion on you. I'm not going to try to brainwash you. I'm just going to tell you what God's done for my life. And that's why I have peace right now. And you don't. And if you'd like to have peace, I can't offer you peace if you don't also want to hear about Jesus because he's the source of my peace. Right? That's what we expect to always happen. But I'm just letting you know there's a reality that sometimes the more God anoints us, the more people are like, I just need you to move away, please. Right? Because, like, when you walked into the room, I suddenly felt bad about what I was doing. So I, I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. So could you just go somewhere else, please? Do you know those people? Have you been that person? So verse 18, our verse. Isaac reopened the ancient wells. Now just listen to this closely. This is not a series telling us to go back to the way things were. This is a series I think God is challenging us to go back to the source of the way things were, right? I've got some throwback Thursday pictures of myself that maybe I'll, maybe I'll be brave enough and show you and you won't blackmail me. I don't want to go back to that, right? Um, anybody here, did you have 80s hair? Yeah, you got the glamour shot. Remember that, remember that whole phase, like... Turn your head this way and then your body this way and smile and be natural, right? And they put that glow effect on it so you look like a movie star and everybody knew you weren't. It's weird, wasn't it? Am I the only one that's weird? And if you were raised in church, you did the Olin Mills thing, you went to school, you did that thing, like they pulled down that little thing behind you and they were like, smile because you're in a library. I'm like, I don't even want to be in school. What are you talking about right now? Okay. I don't want to go back to that. Am I the only one that doesn't want to go back? I mean, I, we'll have the 80s forever, right? I mean, good music, y'all, because a synthesizer is like the sound of heaven, yes? So the 80s will always be with us, but I don't want to go back to the 80s, right? Right now, our country is experiencing a little bit of what people experienced when they lived during the Jimmy Carter years, right? And I think the entire country is collectively saying, we'd like to not go back to that, but I don't know if we have a choice, right? So... Again, not political, just economical. Yes? So I'm not here going like, let's get back to the good old days. No, let's get back to the God of the good old days. So he can be God today, right? That's the point. So I don't want you to hear this whole, the whole time we're talking like, oh, Paul thinks it really stinks now, so we need to go back to then. No. No, he did good things then. And my cry is do those good things again. Right? He's taken us back to the source of those good things. And so uh, let's pick it up, Isaac, Isaac in, in verse 19. By the way, I need to tell you this. Um, we're going to look at four wells during this series. We'll get to that towards the end. And my entire goal was to have an introduction and look at one well. And I didn't get the one well ready. And then, like, th today when, like, 20 people preached, I was like, God, you're so good, man. He was like, this is just the introduction, right? So this is it. We're just going to introduce it, and you're going to walk out of here hope, hopefully wanting to come back and hear more. Um, verse 19. 
Isaac's servants, you know, they, they, they said move, so they're moving away. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. Have we heard that at some point in this service today? Fresh water? <laughs> God is amazing. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, that water's ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. By the way, if you're new to the Bible, lots of times they'll name something a certain name, and you'll be like, that's a weird name, and I'm glad it's not my middle name. But if you look at it, it'll tell you why they named it that. So that word Essek means dispute, right? So they would, they would name things based off of what was happening at the moment. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. Anybody here named Sitna? Good. You know what Sitna means? It quarrel, right? Yeah. He moved on from there. And dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. That word Rehoboth means wide open spaces. Freedom, right? Now, let me just walk you through this. After they reopened the ancient wells, because that's what we read in verse 18, yes? Um, They were getting attacked. People were filling up the wells. They reopened the wells that his father had dug. They named them the exact same thing. And after they did that, we just read it. They found a new well. Good news, yes. But they also found a new fight. And then they found another well and another fight. And finally, they found a third well and no fight. They finally found freedom. Can I give you a couple takeaways? Number one, the enemy will always provide opposition to the new thing that God wants to do. Always. We live in a culture that celebrates everybody, right? Like, if I, if I <laughs> go run in a race and I come in last, I get a finisher's medal. I appreciate the finisher's medal because it's sometimes hard to finish. But I also came in last, right? You know what I'm saying? Like everybody gets a participation trophy, but sometimes it's okay to just recognize that things don't come easy. We celebrate the stories of people that worked hard and overcame obstacles, but we want to just be celebrated for being alive, right? I love it when y'all get quiet. But the people online are clapping right now. They're really not. So the enemy will always, everybody say always, always provide opposition to the new thing God wants to do. They dug a new well. They found fresh water. They were so excited, and then the enemy opposed it. So don't think for a second that the victory God's leading our church into is going to come without the enemy opposing it. James says, why are you, so, why are you acting like this is, 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 is not normal? Like this, these trials are expected. Read the New Testament and just do a, a, a study on the word suffering. We should not be surprised when we suffer. We don't have to like it. Just shouldn't be surprised. The freedom God is leading us to won't always come after the first attempt. Oh, my goodness. Any athletes in the house? Wouldn't it be great if you could just like throw, like practice one free throw and be like, I got it. I went from bench to Steph Curry with one shot, right? 
But it, it doesn't work that way. It, it rarely comes after the first attempt. If at first you don't succeed, or blame somebody, right? Which I think is our motto right now culturally. Yes, if at first you don't succeed, it's your fault. Get a new job. I'm, I should just stop, right? <laughs> I'm way too free. And here's what I want you to jot down. Here's, the, for me, I think the, the key takeaway it all began with getting back to what God had started. So if, what if verse 18 wasn't in the Bible? What if they didn't reopen the ancient wells? Well, they would never would have moved. They never would have found fresh water at one well, overcome a fight, found another water, overcome, and then found a third. Like God was moving them to freedom. And it all started because they were like, let's reopen these wells. Just, I want you to notice this. At the end of the story, they're drinking water from wells in a different place than where the ancient wells were. But it was the obedience to reopen those ancient wells that led them to freedom. And I believe that's what God's calling our church to. To reopen ancient wells. I'm going to give you a sneak peek about the wells that we're going to talk about. Okay, go to Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47, and then we're going to wrap this, this thing up. And then we'll dig into it next week. These are the wells that we feel like God is reopening at the gathering. Acts 2, chapter, 40, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They, and I'm going to ask you one question when we finish reading this, and we'll pray over that, and then we'll go eat some food. They, they is the believers Okay, so these are people that were following Jesus at the time. Don't think church people. Think followers of Jesus. Right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In that one verse are four wells. The apostles' teaching, that's the Bible for us. Fellowship is koinonia. That's so much more than just let's have supper together. It's literally fellowship would be like our community groups. Like we are putting roots down deep, but also they're entwined with one another. Life together. To the breaking of bread, that was communion, but also a common table. Like a lot of what we just took communion, but a lot of what we do out there today when we're sitting around just eating food is, is actually that. We're breaking bread together. And they gave themselves to prayer. Those are four wells. Those are four ancient wells. I believe this. This isn't not a promise like, hey, if you'll do those four things as a church, then I'll do all the things that you read in the verses that come after this. But I do believe that giving ourselves to those four things, and it will, um, okay, quick show of hands. I know y'all are like, stop doing this, just wrap up. How many of you find Bible reading hard sometimes? Can we be honest? Like, yeah, yeah. How many of you find prayer hard sometimes? Anybody ever struggle with, I know that I should call that friend who's a Christian and we should probably hang out together, but I'd rather sit home by myself and watch Netflix. Anybody struggle with that? Okay, just checking. Do you see how easy these four wells actually, they're, they're simple, right? But how the enemy makes them hard? That's what we're going to talk about. It's literally not hard to open up your Bible app and read. 
But isn't it a struggle? It's really not that hard to give yourself to a life of prayer because it's just talking to God. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know how you pray. Maybe you do the King James versions. You have to think of all the words. I just talk to God like this. Like, like sometimes I'll like on the couch in the morning drinking coffee, I'll just like turn to Jesus who's, like, who's there but not there, right? And I'll be like, this is some good coffee. I love, thank you, Jesus, for this coffee. I, got, I don't know how you do it. Maybe that's weird. I don't know. But that's how I talk to God. That's prayer, y'all. Like, it's not, it's not actually hard to call up Christian friends and ask them if they want to go eat wings at East Coast Wings. Because I love wings, y'all. And I also like people. It's a great combo. And if you get the never-ending chips basket thing, you get good conversations with the server. Like, because they bring them all the time. It's fantastic. It's not hard. But why don't we do it? Because there's an enemy that's kicking dirt in those wells all the time. Because he knows that if we reopen those wells, it will lead to freedom. It will lead to fresh water. The thing that my friend Josh just prophesied over this house this morning, it'll lead to that. And he knows it. I'll, I'll end with this. Um, how many of you ever heard of a place called Willow Creek Community Church? Bill Hybels. Um, Willow Creek was like the, the model church um, way back in like the 70s, 80s. Tons of people were coming to it. They launched like small groups before they were a thing. Um, they've hit some rough patches recently. I get all that. But back in the early 2000s, I think it was 2004, they started a study where they asked 6,000 people in their church some questions to help them understand how those people were doing, right? And they kind of found out like some people were typical church, right? Like 25% for four groups, like 25% of their church was all in for Jesus and 25% were like barely hanging on. Like they just kind of on the spectrum. Are you with me? And they called it the reveal study because it revealed. Yeah. <laughs> I love someone who's really creative. Let's call it the reveal study. So they, they started like, what does it reveal? And it revealed where they were spiritually, right? And it also revealed why some people leave churches after a certain amount of time. It's a great study. But the, what I thought was crazy was they took four things away from it. They, they looked at this study. It took them three years to compile all the data. And in 2007, they released the reveal study. And here's the takeaway. They found that there are four things. My voice just cracked. I'm going through puberty. That is so embarrassing to go through puberty in front of your church while you're preaching. What just happened? I'm so sorry, honey. Just pray for me. I feel like, I feel like I'm so red right now. It's crazy. Where were we? Oh, I feel like I was just revealed. So um, anyway, they found four things, four things. Hang with me. Watch this. Four things. And they said this. When people do these four things, they grow spiritually. They spent three years compiling data to figure out that if you do four things, you'll grow spiritually when God had already put it in the book in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Because no surprise here, the four things that they found that help people grow spiritually is the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Amazing. Almost as if, if we kept these wells open, we'll grow spiritually. So here's the question, and then we're going to close in prayer and go eat some food. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to. 
And I want to ask you this question, and I mean this heartfelt. I'm asking myself the same question. What are you devoted to? What are we devoted to? And if it's anything other than those things, we're not going to get what we read about in verses 43 through 47, where everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Y'all, I want the Holy Spirit to be on full display every time we're together. And I don't just mean together here. I mean, like, if you go shop with a Christian brother or sister at Walmart, I would like for verse 43 to happen at Walmart. But that happens when we're devoted to verse 42, yes? Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How often did they do that? Every day. Y'all, it's hard to get committed Christians to come to church more than twice a month. Every day. Because they, they were devoted to these things. And the, verse 47 says that they enjoyed the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. Do you know why that is? Because when people see that life in action, they say things like this. I don't know if I want to believe in your God, but can I hang out with you anyway? And as Christians, we should say, well, first pass a test. No. We say, come on. Come. I got room at the table. Come hang out with us. Let's do wings. Someone's going to take us to get wings. I can feel it. Can't you feel it? You take me all by. They want to be a part of this. People are hungry for this life. They might not want to be bowing their knee to the Lordship of Jesus, but they're hungry to be around people who have bowed their knee to the Lordship of Jesus and who will love them like that. And we'll do life with them like that. And I believe this. We, if we commit ourselves to being devoted to reopening ancient wells, God's going to lead our church to the places that we just heard prophesied about this morning. Which Don't just think size, y'all. Think influence. Right? Think influence. Because a well was a certain size, but that well could give water to whoever came to it. It's not about building bigger wells. It's about reopening the ones that God blesses. That's what it's about. And I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just, gonna, I'm just calling you to things. Like our Wednesday night corporate prayer service should be packed this Wednesday. Right? No shame attached to that. But are we devoted to it? Well, I would, I would come, but I got, and it's like, that's cool. I'm just, if you do nothing else today, but just walk out of here and do a little inventory of your life and say, what am I devoted to? then God will give you the answer, right? And if you're like, I can't devote myself to those four wells, but maybe over this month God will highlight a well. Maybe one of those you need to devote yourself to. I would just recommend that the full Christian life is devoted to all four. You can pray at home all day long and be devoted to prayer and never be around people. That's not going to get you where God wants you to go, right? Okay. So what are you devoted to? Let's pray. I want you to ask God about that. Just let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you, okay? Do your own reveal study right now. What are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? I want to pray for two groups of people. First, all of us, that we'd be devoted to reopening those ancient wells. 
And I really want to pray for people in the room that feel like they're being attacked by the enemy. Like you are in a famine, personally, spiritually. Like you don't, you don't feel like, you feel like you're dry. There's no water there. Because the enemy has kicked dirt into your well. Okay? Because God, God needs to restore you so you'll have the energy to dig with us when we reopen those wells. Because it does require some digging. So, let's do that group first. Who feels that way? Like, I'm just kind of, I'm dry. I just, thank you so much. Who else? I just want to pray with you, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's just pray right now. Father, these hands that are up, you, God, see them. And I'm just praying right now that you would refresh them with the, with the living water of Jesus. I pray that, I, I reckon a lot of us in the room, like we hear the word and we've heard it before. And sometimes it can kind of sound like Charlie Brown's teacher in our head. But I pray that the words of Jesus would be life to those that raise their hands today. That this message would be life to them. That the, the faith that comes from hearing the word would literally, they would feel the shovel of the Holy Spirit just digging into that dirt and reopening the wells. You want to provide water. And you said this in John, that we would have rivers of living water. They would come up out of us. You are digging wells in us. And the water that comes out, God, you want it to be fresh and alive. And you said everywhere the river goes, there'd be life. So I pray over these that raised their hands this morning, and I ask that you would refresh them, God, that the overflow from my heart right now, even as I pray, would refresh them, that they would have hope that the wells are going to be reopened, and you have hope for their lives. And I pray, God, for all of us, that as we this week kind of wrestle with what are we devoted to, that you would... Show us that it's not a question of shame. Like you're not beating us up because we aren't devoted to all the right things. You're simply showing us the way to freedom. And I pray that you would, you would just ignite in us a hunger and a passion as a church to, to follow the way to freedom. This isn't about you hyping us up. Hope over hype, God, is what we crave. And these ancient wells are the pathway to hope. And so, God, give us a hunger for that more than things that we might have been devoted to. I pray that you would release us from things that we have devoted ourselves to so that we can give ourselves fully to you. And I just pray freedom and life and refreshing in this house. God, that everyone that we encounter this week would be refreshed because they came in contact with someone who goes to the gathering. And that through that, your name would be famous in Albemarle. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.